Hey there, this is What the Riff, a podcast that takes you back to riff and reminisce about the days of old, that old time rock and roll. We're going to share a few songs off an album of the month from the 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s with some individual staff picks and a little more. You're going to hear some well-known favorites along with a few deeper cuts that may re-inspire you. If you hear something you haven't heard in a while, or if it's totally new to you, visit our website, whattheriff.com, and you can download these songs to your playlist. We hope you enjoy the riffs and are riffing about them on What the Riff, brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and also Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So for now, enjoy this episode of What the Riff? Nelson Mandela has confirmed the presidential winner in South Africa's first post-apartheid election. Israel withdraws from the Gaza Strip, and the painting, The Screen, is recovered three months after it was stolen. This is May 1994, and you're listening to What the Rip. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. All right, we're listening to who's picked this who's album this, pick. This is my pick, Rob, and um, this is Toad the Wet Sprocket from their album Dulcinea. And you're listening to Fall Down, which is one of the biggest hits from this album. So I like Toad the Wet Sprocket. They were actually formed in 1986. And um, they have uh, Glenn Phillips on guitar, Todd Nichols on guitar, uh, Dean Denning is uh, the bass player, and they have drummer Randy Gus. They really got successful in the 90s. Um, they had some hits you might recognize, Walk on the Ocean, All I Want, mm-hmm. um, Something's Always Wrong. We featured that in another podcast. And uh, uh, Fall Down and, and Good Intentions. This was their fourth album, by the way. And um, you remember the name of their first one? I know, Bruce, you're a fan. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I, it's, it's, it's called Bread Circus. Weird okay. name for an album. This album is... <laughs> Uh, Dulcinea, which um, uh, Dulcinea is actually a um, uh, a character in a Don Quixote novel. Yeah, in Cervantes. Yeah, yeah. and it, and so it kind of means uh, overly elegant sweetness. And there's flowers on the front of the of the uh, album if you see that. So Dulcinea is about sweetness, and um, uh, they've got some good some good hits on here. We're going to listen to some deeper cuts. Uh, but I wanted to start off with this one that most people know. You you recognize oh, yeah. this one, don't Absolutely. you, Brian? Yeah, this this right here was that height of the alternative music scene in in music. You, you had the grunge come around. This was more alternative than grunge. Yes. And you, you had a wonderful mixture of people coming in. And in the background, you had all these pop songs going on that were really most people were listening to. Personally, I was listening to the alternative radio stations at this time. Yeah, it, um, I think it was, um, uh, the, the, to me, one of the things that's great about Toad the Wet Sprocket is the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And um, I think um, uh, Lynn Phillips had a lot to do with most of them. Yeah, and, he's um, a great songwriter. Yeah, it's got, it's got a pretty good rock to it. The other ones that I have... Uh, to play are a little more folksy, mm-hmm. but this was great and um, and uh, it's got a it's just got a driving beat to it that I, I think is good. I, you know they've got weird um, 
the name Dulcinea is a little unusual, right. and, and Toad the Wet Sprocket is unusual, and I want to talk about that, but my first question is, do you know the difference between a toad and a frog? Spelling. Okay. A toad and a frog. <laughs> Spelling, yes. One starts with a T. Well, let me, let me educate you a little bit. You guys are the sequel. setting for one of nature's most fascinating dramas. The story is well known, but few people have ever watched it take place from beginning to end. It's the story We're going to do frogs. some education. <laughs> and toads. Okay, so um, <laughs> toads generally have shorter legs, rougher, thicker skin, and they're drier than frogs are. And frogs kind of have a little bit of mucus about them, so that's a little bit of a difference. And they, they lay their eggs in different ways, too. Toads lay their eggs in a straight line connected, and frogs lay their eggs it's more like grapes. So I just thought that was an interesting uh, notice. We'll go ahead and we'll go ahead get back to the music. So. <laughs> I was wondering why we weren't right. hearing any music on this. So, that was a, I thought that was part of the album. No, that was just some educational credits well, for everybody. I have been enlightened today, Rob. Thank you. So this, uh, this song is called Inside. And if you had the CD, you had the album then you, you might recognize it. But um, I just think it's it's great. There's some nice um, harmonies between these guys singing. Interestingly enough, uh, the, the four guys met in high school in the drama club. They went to uh, San Marcos High School and a couple of other well-known alumni were um, Kathy Ireland and um, the actor Anthony Edwards. Remember, you know who Anthony yeah, Edwards is? Absolutely, he was in Top uh, Gun. Well, he was that. He was also in Revenge, Revenge of the, of the Nerds. Nerds. <laughs> yeah, and he was also uh, on ER. That's right. That's right. So these guys met uh, in drama club, and it's interesting as we get into all the bands here on What the Riff to see the guys that met each other in high school. Usually they're kind of outcasts. Mm -hmm. They're people that are kind of on the fringe. They're in chorus. They're in drama club. You know, that kind of thing. And then they kind of get into the music as a way to connect yeah. with each other. And, you know. As my daughter calls me, the nerd. The nerd. <laughs> well, and I think, too, uh, Rob, you know, you get a lot of, a lot of folks. You'll, you'll run into a lot of songwriters that are more introverted. And I think it helps. For yes. them to to be, you know, kind of being able to kind of draw those things out and those deep connections. Yeah, you're in introspective. Yeah, and, and you, you can write those songs and things of that. So how you feeling? Obviously, a lot of music musicians, their personal life, their emotions drive those songs, and that's what makes a great song. Yeah, they, you know. They're looking at things from a different perspective. I think they are typically more introverted, mm -hmm. most of them. Your front men usually aren't. Toad the Wet Sprocket got some criticism because they said they were boring. People said they were boring to come watch. They didn't put on a show. They just played music. Right. And, um, you know, it, it really, if you go to see, see them, I, uh, Bruce, you and I actually saw uh, Glenn yeah. Phillips. Uh, and, um, you know, it's all about the music. It's not the show. Right. Now you, you went further in the, in the thing, but... Glenn Phillips was, was the lead in this, and he actually went on to do a, a 
really good solo pool. Yeah. Especially I'll, I'll, in the South. I'll put in a plug because we went to uh, Eddie Owen Presents over in Duluth. If you're in the Atlanta area, uh, that's a great venue for fantastic to take a look at. Very small, and uh, it's just it was a, just a great intimate concert. It is indeed. It's a great. It is a great venue. Yeah. So he was he was acoustic pretty much, and he was yeah. sitting there talking. He played all these songs. I mean, it's you know, I wouldn't say they're masters of the guitar or the drums, but mm-hmm. together. Did good. Listen, listen to this. Crank up. You know, I mean, you got nice. they're kind of they kind of go light and, and easy, and then they boom punch it. I think that's uh-huh. they do that in a couple of their tracks. Well, it's just it, they've got you know interesting chords. The the and I think to your point, Rob, earlier the the, the songwriting is the thing that you really get. Great lyrics, um, just a very very easy very easy to listen to. So that was inside. This next one is a folksy song as well. And uh, the name of it is Stupid, so I guess you could say it's a stupid track. <laughs> it looks like almost all their songs on the tracks are just uh, one lines. Uh, yeah, yeah, they did. They had um, on here, yeah, most of them are one line, one word. One word songs, quite a few of them. It's just a story. That's neat. I like hearing those things where it's, you know, very scaled down. It really puts the focus on the lyric. It puts the focus right. on the songwriter. Right. You know, you've got to be strong. Um, the way that they, uh, you know, you, you can hear the lyrics. It's very easy to hear them. They don't necessarily make perfect sense, mm-hmm. but they do to, them, to him. <laughs> right. We talked about earlier that there's a lot of pop songs going on. And, and yeah. Top hits of May of 94. Uh, you had Ace of Bass had The Sign. You had R. Kelly, The Pump and Grind. Prince. The most beautiful girl in the world. Oh, I remember that. Madonna, I rem- I'll remember, and Enigma, Return to the Innocent. And to me, I'm sitting there going, these were none of the songs I was listening to at all. That's in, why I was in listening May of to Dulcinea. Yeah. Exactly. No one was, I wasn't listening to this. There's none of this grunge stuff was hitting. And I, I look at the some of the albums that came out. Sonic Youth uh, had one. Uh, believe it or not, Indigo Girls. Uh, I actually saw them in concert several times since they were an Atlanta group. Yeah, Athens. Uh, uh, yeah, The Pretenders, Weezer, Violent Thems, Beastie Boys, Seal, Stevie Nicks, David Byrne, Jimmy Buffett. All these had albums come out in May. People don't realize how popular it was at the time to put out stuff before the summer hit. Because hmm. summer was to sit outside and listen to music, not to be stuck inside your house right. playing a video game or watching TV. You actually went outside and enjoyed what was going on in, in life. It was going to the pool or going to a beach or going up to the mountains or going to a lake. You, you sit there and enjoyed life. You didn't get stuck inside a house and, and wondered what everybody else was. Sure, it was hot, sweaty, there was insects, but you, went out. you had a fun. So um, 
that song was uh, stupid, and he's talking about I feel really stupid in a situation where he felt awkward. But um, this next song is called Nancy, and this is folksy. Listen. The first lyrics on here are priceless. Listen to what he says. I can't believe you. You bend your words like Yuri Geller's spoons. You remember Yuri wow. Geller? Wow! That bends spoons with his fingers. With his mind. I think that's just awesome. Mm-hmm. So sort of sounds sort of sounds like Jim Croce here a little bit. Little, yeah, you're right. It does, yeah. yeah, definitely. So he's talking about uh, Nancy and Loretta, and he's talking with his friend. And he says, you take Nancy for me, Loretta's fine. <laughs> Have you ever been there? You ever been there with your buddy back in, the, in the, you know, the 80s and the 90s when one of you would get one girl and one would get no, the other? No, no, never, never. Yeah, I played the fifth. <laughs> wingman? Yeah, What's listen, a wingman? Listen. You take Nancy for me, Loretta's fine. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. I mean, That's great. I, I think it's just a fun little song, and it's uh, very folksy. It I, is like Jim Croce or maybe almost James Taylor a I little pi- bit. I picture you're, you're at a like an outdoor venue concert, just it's an all-day concert, and two guys are talking to two girls, and after a while they're they're talking to each other, and, okay, hey, I'm, I'm all right with this one, you're all right with that one. Then later on in the afternoon you find out you have more in common with the one across. Exactly. That's what I think you know. he's saying. I love the uh, the guitar on this too. It's uh, really neat how he's uh, how he's playing the guitar. Yeah, it's simple, simple drum, you know, with the. Yeah, I uh, this was a good time for me. I, I had uh, just recently started my ad agency with a couple of good friends, and um, you know, you think you're hot stuff. You got a year under your belt or so. Um, interesting. But yeah, it was a good time. Rob, this is this is an excellent pick. I mean, I I, I was surprised you picked it. Actually, I was going, oh, he was into, into, into the sprocket. All right, yeah. Just like if you point to me and say I was into the Indigo Girls, you wouldn't believe it. That's right. <laughs> So this is one that everybody knows. Everybody recognizes this. Oh, yeah. You would think. TV show? Oh, yeah. Friends. I can just see people popping up next to the fountain. On the fountain. Place. That's right. So this is our, this is our uh, entertainment pick, our, our, uh, you know, what was going on. And, and, and Friends had started. This is when uh, Friends came out, May of 1994. This uh, it has to be, you know, Friends and Seinfeld. I would say are the, are the, the two biggest hits as far as the uh, television shows go in the 90s. It's just, you know, just a phenomenon, and it actually holds in there pretty well. Um, I know uh, uh, 
Sandy, my wife, uh, binged through Friends a, a little bit ago. And if you get a chance to check it out on uh, uh, Netflix or Hulu or wherever it is, it, it, it hangs in there very well. I'm going to be a heel. I know, I've, ne- I've seen the show's bits and pieces. I just never got into it. Okay, here come the tomatoes. Wait a minute. Stop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. Um, Jennifer Aniston, that was another poster that you saw. Now, sure. I was married and had kids, so I did not have a Jennifer Aniston poster, but you know she was all over the place. Sure, sure. Also in TV in May of 1994, uh, comedian Bobcat Goldthwait set fire to the couch in The Tonight Show. <laughs> he never appeared on the Tonight Show again. Hey, I'm gonna burn something. <laughs> Obviously, it was it was a skit, but it was not a skit anybody was knew, knew that was gonna happen. And he was an odd guy, anyway. Uh, I, I found him annoying, but uh, you know, he was a great supporting actor in the movie One Crazy Summer. And I know what you're thinking. How did that movie avoid the Oscars? I, I, I it's know. a mystery to me too. Yeah. He was yeah, also he, on Revenge of the Nerds. That we that's got right. Up he was on Revenge of the Nerds. Nerds. Yeah, and he, he's he's gone on to be a t- uh, movie producer. Also, the final episode of the LA drama, I mean the TV drama LA Law, ended. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. And then one of my favorites, uh, Star Trek: Next Generation, was final finally airs their last uh, week of syndication. Obviously, they go on in, in repeats, but. You know, that was uh, I was a big Star Trek fan once again nerd <laughs> <laughs> and then the final broadcast of Darcy Hill's uh, Hall talk show ended and a couple of movies that came out at that time The Crow with Brandon Lee yeah. you guys got to see that where he ended up getting shot and killed during the, the filming that's that right movie. that's right mm-hmm. uh, you know, Clean Slate was Dana Carvey's movie uh, that was a com- comedy and he had Maverick Beverly Hills Cop 3, and The Flintstones. Oh, yeah. It all happened in May of 1994. Great. So now we're moving into staff picks, and I think we've got one. Yeah, it's Wayne, and I'm doing the meat puppets. Flaming Heart. And the only reason why I picked it is because this thing drives. Once again, we're back to driving. Yes. If you're listening to this song, and this song comes on the radio, it drives it is just it picks up the beats just going full tilt and you are going 110 miles an hour just full tilt down the road you know i, I this is a little bit familiar to me but i would not have known it you know this the guitar though sounds like a little molly hatchet to me yeah oh, yeah good point definitely about 20 years removed but yeah yeah <laughs> but i mean just that that, that sound exactly so, what exactly is a meat puppet, Wayne? Oh, damn, I didn't research that. <laughs> Hurry up. Somebody, somebody pull it up on the computer. No, it's not I, safe for consumption no, on this not. podcast. <laughs> it is not. Uh, we'll jump past that. <laughs> Believe it or not, a lot of rock groups take their time getting to become prominent. They started in 1980 in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Started, so 14 years. Yeah, exactly. They started out as a punk band. Obviously, the, the 70s had their punk group and punk groups going on then, and they started out that. They kind of decided, to st- hey, we're going to do a little bit more country with the punk, and they just sort of deviated from that. They kind of psychedelic rock in there, 
Um, they opened for groups like Blind Melon, Soul Asylum, which we featured before, the Stone Temple Pilots, and um, shortly before um, this album's release, they um, were uh, touring with Nirvana. And another thing I've heard that what they call call them is uh, cow punk, sort of cow punk, cow punk. Yeah, I <laughs> thought that was interesting. Cow tipping, cow tipping punk. But this was their. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, and I do it, remember that. It's interesting hearing the the path that they followed too, because you know, I I it's a little bit hard to to pigeonhole the music. It's it's a little bit um, it's a little bit Nirvana esque. It's a little bit uh, I, I I sense a little bit of Southern rock in there, which is you know a little different. And I don't know. It's just it's just got a very different sound. Well, this was this song actually ended their concert. They were just you know, this is like I said, firing all cylinders. They were just bringing it on, bringing it on. And once the song was over, that was the end of the concert. Hmm. Okay, we're, we're bringing this to a close. Because you kind of want to leave it with your best stuff. I remember seeing The Who. And what song do they end, the, end, the, end, the, end, end their song, song set with is Who Are You? That makes and sense. Once, once they finished with that, you knew, okay, hit the, hit the aisles. Um, this album was actually their eighth album. Um, and it was produced by the Butthole Surfers guitarist, Paul Leary. So, you know, once again, kind of digressing back to that punk-type scene. Um, the album's title is called Too High to Die, and it's a parody of the Ramones' 1984 album, Too Tough to Die. Ah. Um, the big single on this album was Black Backwater, which actually reached number two. So if you guys want to pull that one out for another future podcast you're welcome to but i to me i like kind of going a little bit more deeper cut and and this is one i i expect people to put on their playlist and 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 really enjoy you know if you want to go you know like 230 miles per hour in the indy 500 put this one on in the background and you know it'd be no problem yeah that's good i hadn't i hadn't thought about them in a while this song is a little trippy. It's not, you know, without being kind of psychedelic. It's poppy mm-hmm. and not being static. It's just, it's just a whirlwind of, of music, lead guitars, just, just coming at you. I just love this. Nice guitar riff there. Sounds kind of Moroccan in the background. Yeah, I still can't, I still hear Molly Hatchet in there, the, the, the rhythm guitar there. So a meat puppet yeah. is a person that has no will of their own, somebody that lets others control them. There we have oh. it. I was thinking something else. I was too. <laughs> See, you never know what you're going to learn when you listen to what the riff. That's right. <laughs> well, we can start. You know, we were rocking to the Meat Puppets, and now we're going to tone it down a bit. This is Brian, and I'm going to. My uh, staff pick this week, of course, is from 1993's Academy Award winning film, Streets of Philadelphia. Or, excuse me, Philadelphia's a movie. This is a song, Streets of Philadelphia, by our American rocker, Bruce Springsteen. Who's not rocking on this one? <laughs> no, he's definitely not. We're, mellow, we're mellowing now, we're slowing down. <laughs> and this was released as a single in May of 94. In '94, and uh, it was critically acclaimed. It was just a huge hit. 
in many countries, uh, particularly Canada, France, Germany, Ireland, and Norway, where it actually topped the charts uh, in those countries. Did he do other songs on that movie, or just this one? Just this one. Yeah, and it was cut specific specifically for this movie. Uh, the uh, it won the Academy Award that year uh, for best original song. It went wow. on. It went on to win four Grammy Awards: Song of the Year, <clears throat> Best Rock Song, Best Rock Vocal Performance Solo, and Best Song Written Specifically for a Motion Picture or Television. Wow! Yeah. It, it, in the in the talking about you know the it's obviously Philadelphia the movie it was really the first mainstream uh, motion picture that dealt with HIV and AIDS. And, uh, of course, Tom Hanks, we all know. First Academy Award for Best Actor. And uh, Denzel Washington, of course, is, was played. I think he won the Supporting Actor, if I'm not mistaken. He was nominated for I forgot for he it. was in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did it. You know, Tom was obviously a wonderful actor. It still is a wonderful actor. But Denzel Washington, in my opinion, in this movie was just fantastic. I mean, well... Tom Hanks, when you look at this, I mean, this is where it, he really is propelled into superstardom oh, yeah. because he had the Academy Award for this one, back-to-back with his Forrest Academy Lee. Award for Forrest Gump, mm-hmm. and I'm a little surprised that he didn't also get the Academy Award for Apollo 13, which can, which followed these two. Right. Uh, but just a, a fantastic actor. and uh, you Yeah, know. it took him from just comedic actor from a television series to right. A-list movie star. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. listen, I forget too, Bruce, to your point. I thought, and he was nominated for it, but I thought he was incredible in the movie Big. Yes. Yeah, he was. That was his first nomination. And it was, and, and that was where you really saw him outside. I mean, it was a comedy, but yeah. it was, you saw him outside of a comedy role. He had, right. he did a very good job of that. I also, the, the, the percussion in here is something that I identify with the 90s. That particular yeah. syncopation, you hear it in a lot of 90s songs. There's that, that word again, syncopation. Yeah. <laughs> Love it, Bruce. That's great. Okay, next one we have Spoon Man. Who's bringing this? That would be me. This is Bruce. This is not going to be one of those tender love songs. <laughs> We're back cranking it up, finally. That's right. <laughs> oh. Wayne was falling. Wait till we end this. I had a lull in the action with my selection. Now we're going to, like Bruce said, go ahead, man. This is fantastic. <laughs> okay. Chris Cornell wrote this. It was the first single off of uh, Soundgarden's fourth studio album, which was called Super Unknown. And um, many people say this song is the one that made Soundgarden famous. Yeah. It gets my vote. Oh, yep. It was originally written for the soundtrack to the film Singles, which both Soundgarden and Pearl Jam worked on. And that movie took place in where they originated, out of Seattle. I remember watching that movie and going, oh, wow, that's what the Seattle scene was. I have friends in Seattle, and I actually flew up there and went, I think it's called Frontier Square. They had, uh, I think it was like for 15 bucks, you can go to seven different places where music was being done and just me and my friend just started hitting them one after another and got expensive after a while when you're drinking two beers per place <laughs> <laughs> but you mentioned, wish i had the they had uber then but <laughs> but you mentioned of course soundgarden 
and Pearl Jam. Name another band that evolved or kind of came out of those two and, and, and just kicked butt, too. Remember the band called Temple of the Dog? Yeah, they combined oh, together, yeah. became oh, yeah. well, well, what, Hungry. Selected yeah. members, yeah. A hunger Strike, which just yeah, killer, killer song. Oh, yeah, I thought that, I thought, I was thinking Hunger Strike was Eddie Vedder. Yeah, he was in it, but it was an event. They, they call themselves Temple of the Dog. Yeah, okay. We'd have to pull something from there. Yeah. So the inspiration for this name is Artist the Spoon Man. And he's a street for- performer uh, in uh, both California and in Seattle. And you actually hear him here. He's, uh, he plays percussion with a, with a set of spoons. And um, you'll hear him kind of throughout the, the song. And then the, also the drummer, Matt Cameron, is, is playing on pots and pans in some of these places. Oh, cool. So if you hear some interesting uh, percussion, that's, that's where it's coming from. Spoon Man, yeah. Here it is. Listen at this. Oh, that's cool. Hear the spoons in the background on that one. Yeah. Don't have too many heavy metal groups that are doing a set of spoons, do you? <laughs> Don't know if this was heavy metal. I I, I throw this a in little the grunge, grunge. Little grunge. The grunge. Well, Seattle. The Seattle scene. The Seattle scene was was crazy. They just once Nirvana busted it, everybody just started going there to just to see who was the next group. And once again, we talked about Toad the Red Sprocket just sitting there up there just playing their songs. Very similar to what you know, any of those groups from the grunge scene did. They were in their flannel shirts and got up there and just played music. Sometimes with their back to the audience. So one little bit of uh, musical trivia on this: the guitar uses drop D tuning. Standard tuning has the six strings uh, tuned to E A D G B E, and drop D tones the lowest string down from an E to a D. It makes it easy to play. Uh, a D5 power chord. Huh. Led Zeppelin used it in Moby Dick and Kashmir. The Beatles use it in Prudence and Dear Prudence. Fleetwood Mac uses it in The Chain. And Pearl Jam's even flow. They all use drop D tuning. I haven't had to do that to my guitar just to see how it sounds. Not that I'm any good at it. Outstanding. Sweet. Well, we only have one of our members left with a staff pick, and that sounds like Rob. Yeah, so um, I picked this song from the Crash Test Dummies. Once there was this Remember the uh, super low voice? Uh, no. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so they had um, they had a, a few hits, but um, this one I, I like. Uh, the lead singer's name is Brad Roberts. And uh, he was actually a professor, and um, he got into um, uh, the band, and he was playing guitar in the group, but didn't sing because his voice was too deep. Mm -hmm. So then they kind of used that to their advantage. This is the name of the song, by the way. Mm, I'm waiting for you to touch good at the end of that and we'll have some soup <laughs> yeah <laughs> could be a good jingle so I want to say that's how I put my daughter to sleep when she was a little baby just kind of mm to her so he um, a vocal coach convinced him that he had a great voice and um, so they they made it stand out on the radio and so um, you know he's definitely one of the lowest voices in rock music 
But uh, I kind of think I could sing like this early, early in the morning, maybe. <laughs> the, the song is about these kids that had these challenges going on and just being kind of isolated. People wouldn't let them hang out with other people or people didn't want to hang out with them because they had weird birthmarks or they had some kind of deformity and that kind of thing. So it's kind of a sad song. The, uh, the album is called God Shuffled His Feet. I you remember that song. Remember that song? That, yeah. That album. I'm thinking back what you're talking about, your voice being that low early in the morning. Usually my voice is that low early in the morning, but that's because I've been up all night partying and drinking. And <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Cigarette smoke will do that to you, too. I don't think you're a smoker or were, but... So, this is something uh, uh, interesting. This song uh, did did pretty well, but uh, it actually came up on VH1's Most Awesomely Bad Songs Ever. <laughs> it was number 15. Rolling Stone said, 15th Most Annoying Song. <laughs> and then on Blender's list of the 50 Worst Songs Ever, it came in at number 31. Oh, haters gonna hate. But then VH1 also named it, uh, mm, 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 mm as the 31st greatest one-hit wonder of the 1990s. Okay. That was awarded to them I do have to say, this is not on my playlist on my, on my phone. So. Well, and I will say that um, there is a version that Weird Al Yakovic does that will have ah. to make it onto our end of the list at some point when we're doing the... Uh, Where does uh, this come? What movie is this? You hear this section right here. You got me. What, what is Dumb it? Dumb and Dumber. Oh yeah! <laughs> that, 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 that's what we just heard. That's, that's where Dumb and Dumber. Uh, what a great movie! This if is whenever he's if you're a male. Yeah. <laughs> they were heading. They were going to walk back because they ran out of. Uh, they went the wrong way. That's right. <laughs> ran, oh man! What goes a perfect and, song for them too. And then he goes and gets him. A, he trades in the uh, the dog wagon for the uh, the little scooter. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was a that was a fun little pick. Good yeah. pick. Good call. Rob. Good call. Yeah, I I don't mind watching Dumb and Dumber again. It's just my wife won't watch it with me. Oh well. <laughs> and we're gonna end the end the podcast with usually a comedy or a, um, a, a some sort of instrumental, and we picked an instrumental. And Bruce, who do we have? This is Ingve Malmsteen on guitar. Ingve. What? What? Ingve Malmsteen. For those of you that are guitar aficionados, there are a lot of people that consider Ingve Malmsteen one of the greatest guitarists of all times. Very, very much in heavy metal. Did uh, almost everything that he did was um, was instrumental, and um, you know he's uh, he, he's very popular in some circles. You'll you know Joe Satriani will refer to him. He does uh, a lot of things there. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's considered one of the ten, ten greatest. Uh, guitar players of all time, and he'll let you know it. <laughs> oh, you say yeah, he's saying he's humble. He's, he's, he's not shy about it. No, he's not shy about it. But you know, I mean, when you've got the talent, you know, flaunt it, I guess. But yeah, this is sort of what, what they call neoclassical metal, or or and eventually kind of evolved into what shred metal. And to me, this is sort of borders on the edge of what I got into in the metal side. I kind of, yeah. I did like the hair metal bands, you know, the glam Slash rock. when he would play something exactly. like this. Exactly, you know, enjoyed that. This, once it got a little bit more just, you know, he just 
when he just kind of rolls into it and you got the double bass drums going, it's sort of in the real crackly rock stuff. <laughs> I kind of went, okay, I'm trying to check out, you know. I want more of a punk rock scene than this, but yeah, he has uh, he has uh, his, his thumb on definitely that heavy metal. Yeah. He, so he played with a number of other uh, musicians or bands or uh, that he, he played with Alcatraz for a little bit. It was another it was an American um, heavy metal band, but he he went solo and he he stayed solo. It, I don't know if it was because of his personality, people didn't get along with him, or. If it was just he just wanted to make his own, his own mark, but yeah, it wasn't really a uh, a scene where he wanted to play with other people. So he didn't play well with others. <laughs> you do get a, a almost a baroque feel out of things. The uh, the the, um, the choices he's making with the the, the song the, uh, the the tunes that he's doing it's it's almost baroque. Now, he does say he tried to play classical music on the guitar. So that's basically what he's trying to do. But also, he did do the fast, you know, playing. We talked about Eddie Van Halen before. He he goes through, and that was his key, was going playing fast. Now, he got criticized for that because more people did like the the heavy, you know, bluesy-type feel and felt that there was some soul that's missing out of his music that, that, that wasn't playing I mean, that's, that's how it happens. I mean, you go in one direction or another. And when you're becoming you know, one of these rock gods of, of guitarists and you're out there playing it, you've got to kind of show them something. And playing like David Gilmour, kind of nice and slow with nothing really, no you know, lyrics or anything in the background, it's kind of hard to 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 show that. Whereas in this, this type of framework, you can. Yeah, well, that's good. Interesting well, pick there. And so we're going to end this, this um, May of 1994. This is Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. And you've been listening to What the Riff. Talk to you later. You've been listening to What the Riff. We hope you enjoyed riffing with us. And we invite you to visit whattheriff.com to find and download the music we had on tap today. You can also contact us and request an album that you'd like us to riff about at whattheriff.com. And if you get a minute, like us on Facebook and share us with your friends. Links are available on our website. Thanks for listening to What the Riff, brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. Also, Marbury Creative Group. Tell it better. If necessary, use words. <laughs>